0: Amen. We'll welcome this morning. And I want to give you an update of something. We've been praying for Carson for years. And uh, most of you know him or have been praying for him. But I want to give you a quick update because I want to give you another way to pray. Okay? Now, a couple of weeks ago... um, the Lord told us and confirmed several times that Carson had been healed. Okay, and, and yet many of the, well, all of the symptoms for that matter are there. But what he told us, what the Lord told us was that the enemy would continue attacking him, bringing on the same things that he had, had been experiencing to discourage him from believing that he had been healed. I can give verification of this because the same thing happened to Alexis. I mean, you, you could ask her about that later. But I want to share with you a confirmation of this part. Okay, so, so put in your mind, remember we've talked about the courts, right? Going before the courts of heaven and, and how we war in the courts, right? So, so put in your mind this scenario, that Carson's body is healed, and the enemy keeps coming after him to make him believe that he is not because he wants Carson to not have faith. Why? Because of Carson's book. Because of what God has planned for Carson's life. And so, when that happens... We go to the courts. Carson goes to the courts. Because this thief is a thief. He doesn't come with authority. He comes without authority, which is who the destroyer is in the Bible. It doesn't mean that he has to have authority to come after us. The difference is when the destroyer comes after us, he comes to gain authority. He comes to try to trip us up to gain authority to then have access. But he takes a risk. And the destroyer takes a huge risk with somebody who is ready for him. And ready and aware of what is going on. And that's, that's the case with Carson. Okay, so when the enemy comes, Carson goes to the courts. Some of us go with him to cast away this enemy. Okay, but Jesus told us, be aware because there's going to be another one coming after Carson. Now I'm not going to get into why and all that because because a lot is written in Carson's book but the enemy has reason to stop what is happening. Okay, but I want to I want to share with you a picture of what happened this week one of the times because Carson texted me and he said he said can, can you find out if anybody sees anything sees if any of this is actually working or not? And so I sent texts out to the Two of the people that, that I know in Ignition Church that have this gift of sight. And I asked them, next time we go to the courts, tell me what you see. And, and I didn't prompt them with anything. And the next time it happened, they came back with this scenario. And I want you to picture this. That as he went to the courts, there was a, it wasn't a demonic spirit. There's a difference between a demonic spirit and a fallen angel. Okay, I don't really think Satan cares about losing demonic spirits. I, I This is, I don't want to rabbit trail, but I think he's got plenty of those, you know, because those really came out of the flood, and, and I have this wacky theory that, that it's been since as well. Bottom line is, he has plenty of those. What he has a fixed amount of are fallen angels. When Satan was cast out of heaven, he was cast with a third of the angels. Those are the fallen angels. When he loses one of those, he loses them. Period. That's that's like losing an asset that is really important to you, right? So so picture this 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 principality that this uh, this fallen angel that is in this courtroom, okay? And Carson is there, and and the seer saw me there as well. I. I I told Carson anytime he goes before the courts to text me. So he usually texts me between 3 and 4 in the morning, and then usually around 4 or 5 in the afternoon. It's, it's pretty consistent with that. But, but this was a time in the afternoon, and, and the seer saw Carson there, I standing there, and Jesus on the other side of Carson, and then the, the, the fallen angel on the other side who, who had lost. I mean, he came there without authority. He didn't have a chance. Okay, but it was interesting because the seer said that the fallen angel was back in the back of the room where he would be escorted out. But <clears throat> Satan was there, and Satan was. Tra- and I know this may sound whack to you. I'm sorry, that's okay. You don't have to believe it. Those of you who, who uh, understand what I'm saying, then then you'll know how to pray. But he went to the back of the room, and Satan was trying to negotiate that he just be allowed to leave and not be cast to the abyss, which is what I told Carson to do every time. And with this, I, I, t- I told the seer, I said, okay, tell us what's happening. She told us this, so we went back to the courts. And we asked, Lord, no, no, he came as a thief, and he knew the risk when he came. He knew the risk of coming to literally lose that asset. So we asked that he not be allowed to just leave. We ask that he be taken to the abyss immediately. And at that point, she texted me and she saw this whirlwind come in the courtroom, take him out and gone to the abyss. So here's the point of why I'm telling you this. Because right after that, again, Jesus told us again, there'll be another one coming right away. I am convinced. I'm absolutely convinced that our part of intercession, intercessory prayer for Carson right now is praying that Satan gets to a point where he cannot afford any more losses. Because when this is happening a couple of times a day, it's, it's think of it this way. Think of it this way. An army that loses one of its generals or an army that loses one of its commanders on the battlefield. That's an important thing. That's a Much bigger deal than losing a a single soldier, right? This is a commander of many. So what we're praying and we continue to pray, first of all, is that no permission be granted for it to just be cast away. It's a thief. It's a thief. It owes restitution of sevenfold. And we ask that its life be taken down to the abyss immediately and not returned. And then there's going to come a point. There's going to come a point where Satan is not willing to lose anymore, no matter no matter Carson's book. And that's at the point where we see this manifestation. I also have been praying, and I want you to pray with me, that God allows him to see, to build his faith, to just see some of the effects of casting these away. Even if it's just for a moment to feel better, but to actually see the progress of this battle. So So I urge you to stay in those in those prayers with me as well and and we fight as a as a church for him. We've been finishing um, this series, and I am finishing today, I promise you, today is the final conclusion of of this thought of what is paradise and this thought of paradise with Jesus Christ. And and I've been so excited for today. I, I'm I'm not even positive why, because I've told you before I, I'm not really sure exactly what the Lord's gonna do until I get up here. So I've been excited for what He's gonna do. I, I I'm like praying all week. I can't wait to get up there and talk so I can hear what you say. And, and so, and so I've been really excited about what he, what he's going to do today, and as we get into that, I think you're going to see why. But I want to share one other thing with you because this this is something that's going on, and and it's it's kind of like you go to history class, and the first 15 minutes is always current events, right? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in school. Maybe they don't do that anymore. But so this is current events. You know, we 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 are one week into this. New administration. I want to do do a a little uh, commercial for you real quick. We have started a call, which is in your bulletin. How to get on the call is in your bulletin, but we're doing this every night at 8.30 p.m. for the first hundred days of this new administration. We've been doing it now for a week. Okay, or right around there. And and so I want to encourage you to get on this call every night because this is a call specifically praying in agreement that we want the Father's will for this country. Okay, we want his will, not our own. And we stand in agreement for his will. So I want to encourage you to get on that call. But there was something, somebody a friend of mine sent this to me. This friend of mine was somebody who thought I was absolutely nuts when I told him Trump was going to win and that the Lord told me Trump is going to be in for eight years. He thought I was nuts. He he was very. As a matter of fact, he couldn't stand Trump. Um, he wasn't even Republican. He he is he is Democrat through and through. And 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 yet we are great friends. So, uh, but he sent me this afterwards because. Um, the the earliest prophecy i had heard of about pr- trump being president and what not even so much trump being president but what god is about to do with america was was back in 2011 mark taylor okay which he didn't even release that until you know 2015 but so that was the earliest one i had known so this this guy found this one out of bethel church back in 2007 and it was Kim Clement. I don't know if you guys know who Kim Clement is. He he is um, out of Europe, and and he he just died a couple of months ago. But he is an extraordinarily accurate prophet, and has had an amazing ministry in prophecy. And and when you listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, have a little video played. When you listen and hear him talk, you'll understand this guy's kind of old school. <laughs> Because he just sounds like a prophet in the Old Testament, okay? I think you're going to enjoy this, but the reason I want to play this for you, I'll explain a little bit after, but listen closely to the words he says, and I think it's got them written as well, but but pay attention to the words. Pay attention to the prophecies. Some of it has already come true, which you're going to see, but some has not yet. And that's what I want to share with you at the end.
1: This step shall take place, shall be the most unusual thing—a transfiguration. And going into the marketplace, if you wish, into the news media, where Time magazine will have no choice but to say what I want them to say. Newsweek, what I want to say. The View what I want to say Trump shall become a trumpet says the Lord Trump shall become a trumpet I will raise up the Trump to become a trumpet and build gates to open up the gate of the financial realm for the church says the Lord I will not place that day and I will not forget the gatekeeper that watched over New York who will once again stand and watch over this nation says the spirit of God it shall come to pass that the man that I place in the highest office shall go in whispering my name that God said when he enters into the office He will be shouting out by the power of the Spirit. but I shall fill him with my Spirit when he goes into office. And there will be a praying man in the highest seat in your land. There will be a praying president. Not a religious one. But I will fool the people, says the Lord. I will fool the people. Yes, I will. God says, the one that is chosen shall go in and they shall say, he has hot blood. But the spirit of God says, yes, he may have hot blood, but he will bring the walls of protection on this country in a greater way. And the economy of this country shall change rapidly, says the Lord of hosts. Listen to the word of the Lord. God says, I will put it to your helm. For two terms, a president that will pray, but he will not be a praying president when he starts. I will put him in office and then I will baptize him with the Holy Spirit and my power, says the Lord of oh.
0: Amen. Amen. Did you notice what he said there? That he's not going to be a praying president at the start, but he's going to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit. After his salvation. Now, I don't I have no idea if Trump is saved. I mean, he doesn't act like it in many ways. Some ways he does. But I know what's going to happen. Now I share this with you today because over yeah, it was over a year ago. It was the Lord told me back in, I believe it was July of 2015, that Donald Trump would be president for eight years and I had a vision shortly after that that I didn't understand the Lord hasn't allowed me to say it I've told a couple of people I think two people or three people that's who he allowed me to say but he's allowing me to say part of it today I can't tell you all of it but this vision was so clear and so precise it was like I was there and what I was looking at in this vision was Donald Trump in the Oval Office. And he was on his knees and his elbows with his face into a, it was either a white chair or a white couch because I only saw the end of it. But it, but it was, it was, a, it was a, he, he had his face into the sofa there. And he was crying heavily. And the Spirit told me, I, 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 I said, is, is this his, his salvation? And it wasn't his salvation. And what didn't make sense is that it was his baptism. And I, I, I kind of put that off like, okay, maybe I got that one wrong, because I can't imagine you know, a a president in in that position, you know, whacked like
1: us,
0: (laughs) you know. But when I heard this nine years ago, Kim Clement said this, nine years ago, it was confirmation to me. And I don't say this for the sake of Trump. Please understand, I say this for the sake of the bride. I say this for the sake of the United States. The bride is to stand up. The bride is the church. Those who are saved, we're to stand up and we're to take a stand. But that stand is supposed to be in love. We're supposed to fall in love with people, fall in love with each other, fall in love with those who don't know Christ, to show the world who he is. See, that's what's coming. I've talked about the seven mountains, the seven mountains of influence. God is infiltrating the seven mountains of influence. This is the biggest one. Government's the biggest one. And that's what he's doing. He's doing it for the sake of the bride. He's doing that for your sake. Not for the sake of Donald Trump. Not for the sake of, well, until he becomes part of the bride. Then it's for his sake but it's for the sake of the bride. It's for the sake of Revelation 3 verses 9 where we become favored and the world sees it. The world sees that we are favored by God and they recognize that publicly. See, that's the process that he has begun. That's the process that's going on. That's the process you're a part of. It's not business as usual. Things are changing. Things are rapidly going to change. It'll be interesting to sit at the end of this year and look back and see what God does in one year. One year of His rapid suddenlies. See, He's not just going to change a church. He's not just going to change ignition. He's going to change your heart. He's going to expand your heart to be capable of showing and revealing him to others. And that's what we do. That's what we follow to let him do in us. So that kind of brings us to where we are in the conclusion of this series and I, I titled this part, Apply for an Eternal Position, right? We've been talking about the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, and then beyond that, that we actually, by what we do in this life, how we build relationship with Jesus Christ and let him work in us, then we, we literally set aside or we literally invest in eternal rewards. And we've talked about this. You get, these are eternal rewards that are based upon what we do in this life. So this isn't reward that once we're with Christ, then we can earn these rewards. No, it is the time that we have here on earth is the time that we can earn these eternal rewards. Why? Because they're linked with faith. They're linked with trusting Him. Whatever you're going through in life, if it feels like it's not changing and God has told you it would change, just like Carson, if it feels like nothing's happening, that's when it's most important to have the most faith. Because God is testing the faith. It is the faith that brings on these rewards. It's the faith that pleases God. It's the faith that changes us. Faith changes us. It prepares us to be a vessel used by Him. It's all about faith. So don't be surprised when you're in a time where you don't hear from Him. Don't be surprised when you have this expectancy of the suddenlies and the changes and everything that's supposed to come. We know we we have a building. The Lord has told us that building is ours. He didn't say, I'm going to get you that building. He said, the building is yours. And it has already been decreed by the throne of God. But yet, we're not in a building. I'm sure if I went over there and walked in the door and picked the lock and set up an office and everything, they would have something to say about that. They'd probably get a little upset about that, right? We ought to try that. I, maybe they wouldn't notice for a while. <laughs> but bottom, yeah, bottom line is we know that has been decreed that it's ours. They don't know that yet, the owners of the building. So we, by faith, wait we buy faith because that is our currency to receive God's favor. Faith. You know, you, you, want, you want to save money to be able to buy things, right? We save money for retirement. Well, sometimes. <laughs> we save money for something we want to buy. Okay, I, I so badly want to get one of those quadcopters. Phantom 4 quadcopter. I'll say it to the internet in case anybody wants to buy one for me. Okay, so, so you save up money to get something that you want, right? And then at some point, you get it. You've saved up enough money to get it. You go and you purchase it. And then do whatever you want with it. Enjoy it, use it, whatever. It's no different with Faith. Think of faith as a currency. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan written in your book, what he wants you to do, what he wants to bless you with. But it costs. There's a currency that has to be paid for that to happen. And it's faith. Now, in some cases, when we're sitting there and we're just waiting, it's like we're just putting out the money, putting out the money, putting out the currency. Putting out more faith. Putting out more faith. Lord, how much does this get cost me? I keep putting out the faith. And then boom, you're there. It's kind of like a layaway plan. Right? But think of faith as a currency. You cannot, I want to repeat this, you cannot do what God wants you to do. Fulfill your book. Receive rewards have even favor on this earth from God without paying that currency without having faith without having your faith tested and then staying in that faith and that's where we are as a church you know we 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 look at it's, it's kind of like looking in a catalog saying, this is going to be yours. This is going to be yours. This is what you're going to do. Ignition's going to do this. There's seven places in the world that Ignition's going to be. You're going to reach millions of people. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. So we, we look in this catalog of prophecy, right, that the Lord has prophesied over Ignition Church. See, what it doesn't have there, and boy, I wish it did, is the faith cost, <laughs> Well, this item here is going to cost two years' worth of faith. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's, let's not put that in our cart yet. See, that's why God doesn't tell us what it's going to cost. Because, see, to him, it's not about the reward, or it's not about what we're getting. It's about the faith. He does everything he can to grow us in faith. If we struggle with faith then he works it to where we learn faith and then are tested in that faith. Because, that, see, that's the only currency that works with him. That's the only currency that bathes our lives in his son's blood to be accepted into his kingdom is by faith. We can't earn it. We accept it by faith. And, and actually, that's a really small amount of faith. I love the fact that that it's like Jesus' smallest item in terms of faith is salvation. Because it's available to anybody. Anybody can believe and accept him into their heart as Savior. But trust me, to be used by him, to have your book fulfilled on this earth... There is a cost and there can be a huge cost, a huge cost of faith, faith that doesn't make sense, faith that makes you to continue on to where you're like, okay, am I really believing the right thing here? Then you hear, yes, I just need you to believe more. I need you to believe longer. And the reason for that is because I am sealing this faith in you. And I am bringing a, about the faith of others. Because when it begins to get into things that he wants us to do, now all of a sudden it doesn't just include us. A single person. See, when, when God called me and told me to start a church then it became about others' faith as well. It became about Alexis's faith. It became about my family's faith. It became about Wendy and Anissa. Those who started the church with it, it wasn't just about my faith at that point. It became about a grouping of faith. And as we grew, that grouping of faith grew. That's why God requires unity. That's why we talk about unity all the time and how important that is. Because when we go before the Lord, there is a power in unity. There's a power when you couple faith with unity, and then you just say, God, here is our faith, here is our unity, and we stand before you in that faith and in that unity, and we say yes to you. We say we want your will on earth as you have written it in heaven. That's all we've got to do. And he says, okay, I will work that will. I will do that for you. But then when it doesn't happen right away, sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get distraught that it's taken longer than it's supposed to. But that's where he needs the faith to press in and trust him. Because those rewards that we're given, those rewards are not based on what happens. I will not be rewarded. You will not be rewarded for us getting into the building. It's not that building that brings reward. It's not the many saved from that building, from that facility, that's going to reap us reward. What reaps us reward is the faith. The faith that God will do what God wants to do. Bottom line. So it doesn't matter what his plan is for your life. What matters is the faith that you have for him to do it. That's what brings on the reward. So it gets down to to this conclusion, what we're talking about today. In this life, we are literally applying for an eternal position with him. Remember last week we talked about the the millennial kingdom in Ezekiel. We talked about how there was a phase of it that was different than any of the prior temples. And it was a place, literally, of sanctification. It was a place where those who are unsanctified, who have not gone through the process of sanctification through faith, they will be placed metaphorically in that room they will be rep- they'll be placed in that category why because when we go through unto eternity with the new heaven the new earth the new jerusalem coming down to earth see that requires sanctification and if you don't do it here you will do it in the millennium but here is where you apply for a position and that's what we talked about in, in Revelation verse three, or chapter three, verse I think it's twenty twenty-three or something like that, where where Jesus said, If you to those who conquer, I will make you a pillar in my temple. And he's talking about the millennium, he's talking about the thousand year reign of Christ. And we talked about it last week. What was that pillar? That pillar is a foundation. You will be a foundational structure. In the temple, what does that mean? Okay, think about this. What is the thousand-year reign of Christ? And I don't want to go back over it again, but one of the biggest things, as Christ rules, we rule with him. But we read last week how the kings of the earth and all of the earth that are born unto the earth at that time, that are literally human at that time, they will come to be taught. They will come to be taught who Jesus Christ is, how he works in a life. Remember, it's no different. The earth will be no different then, except that there will not be the influence of sin. doesn't mean there won't be sin, because we still have fleshly bodies, or we won't. Those who are born on the earth at times, at that time will have fleshly bodies. But we don't have the influence of sin. We don't have Satan. He's locked up. Okay, so those who apply for a position, who are rewarded in this life for the next, they will become people that he uses to rule with. Some will be judges. It says some will be judges of angels. Some will be trainers. Some will be worshipers. Some will be taken to areas, and, and you're in charge of leading worship for this area. You know, I I don't know. I'm not telling you what the job is. That's all written in your book. You just want his best for you. His best for you may be different than somebody else. You just want his best for you. So we apply for that job in this life. We do it with the currency of faith. Just telling God, I give you my everything. I trust you. I want your will for my life. If we never walk into that building, do you know it doesn't matter to me? Because that's not, when I stand before the beam of seat of Christ, that's not what I'm responsible for. That's up to God. I put that on his shoulders. I'm responsible for just believing what he says. I'm responsible for walking in a way of purity that nothing will be obstructed in what he wants to do in my life. That's all any of us are responsible for. It's just letting him do it. And when he does it, all those things he says, guess what? They come true. We will be in the building. We will be in seven nations. We will be throughout the world. We will see millions of people come to know Christ under, under the efforts that God does through Ignition. Because it's Him. We stand in faith in Him doing what He wants to, according to the book that was written for Ignition. So how do we apply for this eternal position? How do we apply for this? Okay, in this life, it's very simple. I want you to turn to John 15. This is one of my favorite passages in the word of God because he simplifies the prospect. He simplifies what we need to do in this life. He simplifies this life and what we need to do to apply for that eternal position. Let's begin at verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. By the way, he is talking to Christians here. He is talking to those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Because you cannot possibly be grafted into the vine without accepting him as Savior. Every branch that that does, okay, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. More fruit. Think of that in terms of faith. Okay, those who, who <laughs> offer him faith, he literally prunes your faith to produce more. More what? More faith. Faith is what he wants. Faith is the currency that makes everything move in the kingdom of God. So as he has somebody step out in faith, what's he going to do? He's going to work with that faith. He's going to prune that faith to produce more faith. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We are, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we're we're literally covered in his blood that bought our sin. So, So before the Father, we are clean. Okay? But what does he say here? Abide in me. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Then he makes it clear. I am the vine. He is the source. Okay? You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you could do nothing so there has to be this connection with Jesus Christ there has to be this relationship can't just be a knowledge of i can't just have a knowledge of the vine and be able to draw from its fruit or draw from its uh, the, the whatever i would need I can't just through knowledge, well, okay, I know the vine, I have a knowledge of the vine, but yet not be grafted into it, okay? And, and receiving my nourishment, my glasses just broke. Okay, that's whacked. That's what happens when you pay a buck for glasses. So verse, um, verse 8, there we go. By this my Father is glorified. Oh, wait, no, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's saying the Father is glorified when you have faith in me, when you trust me. When you let me produce the fruit in you, my Father is glorified through this. And he is pleased through this. Ask whatever you wish. When you have that status, when you have that relationship, when you're walking in purity and you are in absolute love with Jesus Christ, ask what you wish it will be done. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say We'll submit it and see if the Father wants to do it. He said it will. It will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Prove to be followers of Jesus Christ. But more than followers, remember we begin as servants. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, we start out as servants of Jesus Christ. We are his bond slave. We were purchased for a price. We are his bond slave. But this is talking about something so much deeper than that. This is talking about relationship. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This, this word abide has come up several times. In the Greek, it means to stay, abide, to exist, to remain, to stay there. So he's saying, recognize my love and stay in it. Stay in my love. Why, why, is, he, why is that part of what he says needs to happen? It's because he knows the enemy's going to try and pull you out of it. Think about it in your own life. The trials that come about your way. When you seek to love Jesus Christ, what is the one thing that happens aside from receiving his love? Receiving warfare. The enemy doesn't want you to be in love with Jesus Christ. Why? Because the enemy's read your book. He knows what God wants to do with you. He knows that if God gets a willing servant, it has nothing to do with their talents or any anything else. Has nothing to do with their education. Has nothing to do with anything except the fact that they love Jesus Christ and He has built a faith in them. You look at some of these people that, that have, have literally seen thousands upon thousands and hundreds of thousands of people saved or ministered to under their ministry. It's because they believed. It's because they just said yes. It wasn't because, well, you know, they were smart enough to put the right people around them. No. God was smart enough to put the right people around them. (laughs) Because it always takes a team. You think God put this team together by accident? No. He put this team together for a reason. He put this team, all of you, together for a reason. It's to bring about what he wants to do. But the currency is faith. Verse 10. We've talked about abiding in his love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments you will abide in my love. It's that simple. You want to know how to abide in his love? Keep his commandments. He said, just as I have kept my father's commandments, and I have abided in his love. He said, look, I've done it. He came as a man, tempted in all the ways that we are tempted, having all the same ailments that we have, and yet he abided in the father's love. He did that to show us that it could be done. So as he stayed in the Father's love, he says, you stay in my love, because I am in the Father. If you are in me, you are in the Father, and the Father is in you. He said, so abide in my love. How do you do that? Keep my commandments. So what's he talking about? Okay, let's pull out that list of ten things that we got to do. Is that what he's talking about? No. No, he explains what he's talking about. Let's move on. Verse 11, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And here it is. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He brings it back to one thing, love. Loving him as he loves us, loving each other as he loves us. It's this idea of love. See, love is not self-serving. Love is not held to its own. Love reaches out. Love develops a relationship. Love connects. So he's saying, you want to abide in me? You want to abide in my, in my love? Keep my commandments. What does that mean? Love each other. Ooh, I don't know about that, God. I have a whole lot easier time loving you, but to love them, that's a lot more work. You know, that's why he didn't say, all you have to do is love me. Because he knew the hard part was loving each other, trusting each other, having faith in each other that God is working in their hearts. But that's what builds unity. Greater love has no one than this. He gives the example in verse 13. That someone laid down his life for his friends. So he said, you want to love somebody? Be willing to give your life. Ooh, that, that is a tall order. I mean, I love Josh... Okay, but am I willing to give my life for Josh? See, Jesus said I'm supposed to. That that's kind of a tough barrier to get it. Well, that's not really what he meant. Not like my real life. Like like I'm supposed to be nice to Josh. Not not really like give something that would cost me. But Jesus said he did. Jesus gave his life for us. Do you think that was worth it to him? Do you think that was tough for him? You bet it was. But he said, that's what you do when someone goes from being a bondservant to a friend. And he said, now you are my friends in this next verse. He said, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you if you're obedient and you are loving the Lord, but loving each other, what happens? Our status changes with Jesus Christ. This is what rewards are based off of. Loving Jesus Christ, loving each other, and changing that status from bond slave to friend. We become his friend. See, when he leads in the millennium, he will lead with his friends. It's just like Donald Trump. When he came in, what's he going to fill his administration with? The people that he feels will do the best job. Okay, do you not think Jesus will do the same thing? Do we automatically get a position because we've accepted him into our heart? No. That's the only way you could apply is by accepting him into your heart. That makes you eligible for a position. It doesn't make you automatically receiving a position. It makes you eligible for a position. What makes you able to get that position is Jesus saying, you know what, that person, because of the faith they displayed in this life, because of what they let me do through them, They will be perfect right here in my kingdom. I have this job for them. I have this already. And and by the way, it was written in their book. That's already been planned. But see, it's up to us to apply. It's up to us to go through that interview, which is a lifelong process of building faith, of trusting him even in things we cannot see. So he says, you are my, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. See, he, he's literally changing the classification of relationship. This is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We simply say yes, we allow him to build our faith, and we become friends. Does it mean he's not our king anymore? Of course not. You could be friends with Donald Trump and him still be your president, you still honor that position. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ in the millennium will be the king of kings. He will rule the earth. You can have a position of friendship with him, and him still hold that position as king. But see, the status changes. When we're faithful in this life with our faith. When we're faithful in this life, in that relationship, and seeking him and letting him do whatever he wants, we become his friend. Now, the beauty of it is that friendship doesn't happen once we die. That he keeps us in this limbo land of just, just, well, you just live in faith and then do that faithfully, and then when you're up here, then you're my friend. doesn't do that. See, we become his friend right here. We become his friend as we give him our yes, as we seek him in relationship. And the evidence of that friendship, the evidence of that relationship is what was said in the first few verses of chapter 15. That fruit is produced. The fruit is not what we're measured on when we stand before the Bemis seat of Christ. Okay, the fruit is not measured because my fruit will be different than your fruit. Okay, it is based on something a little deeper than that. It's based on the faith. It's based on the yes. It's based on the fact that we give you our yes, God. I give you my yes. When I stand before the Bemis seat of Christ, it will be, okay, he gave me his yes here. He had faith here when it didn't make sense. He trusted me when I told him something, and there was no evidence to look like it would even be true. That's how we apply for that eternal position. It's by that relationship in Jesus Christ. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Now, who, who, first of all, physically, right here, he's talking to the disciples. Okay, he's telling the disciples, look, I chose you. But see, that's the same with us today. You're chosen. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, we read it last week, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, then you have a calling on your life. You were chosen to fulfill a calling. There is nobody, there is not a single person who accepts Jesus Christ that does not have that calling. Now, not everybody fulfills that calling. Not everybody follows that calling. But everyone has a calling because it's written in our books. And he's saying, "I chose you for this calling I called you I pointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit should abide Again that gives reference that see fruit can wither fruit can spoil. you can't just trust God in faith and okay well let, let's say let's say I, I got another you know, I've got another 20 years in my life or whatever. So, God, if I give you the first five, I'll give you the first five, and I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to believe you. I'm going to give you everything I have. Then the, other, then the rest of my life is mine. See, in a job interview, that doesn't work so well. You're not going to get hired. Because that shows that it wasn't from your heart to begin with. So he says here, you're to bear much fruit, but your fruit is to abide. We're to stay in that place of relationship. Whatever the status, and this is important, hear me here. This is really important. Whatever the status of your relationship with Jesus Christ is, the day you breathe your last breath on this earth, is the same status it's going to be when you're with him that very next moment. See, that that was that was a eye-opener to me. Well, wait a second. When 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 I when I go to heaven, I'm gonna have the mind of Christ. Right? I, I'm gonna know everything. I'm gonna see him, and it'll Yes, exactly. But it'll no longer be by faith. Relationship is built by faith. The status of your relationship with Jesus Christ will not change from when you breathe your last breath on this earth. So it's not, about, it's not about time on this earth. See, the thief on the cross had a few hours of knowing Christ. That's all he had. But he had the opportunity to maximize that time for Jesus Christ and build relationships. We all have opportunity to build a relationship with Jesus Christ. And whatever that relationship is when we breathe our last breath is where the relationship will remain at the beginning of eternity with Him. Those who don't have a relationship with Him, well, you know what? That's got to be built. I happen to believe myself. I'm not going to necessarily push this or anything. I believe that's what the millennium is for. I believe the millennium is literally a time of sanctification for those who did not do it on earth. But remember, the rewards are eternal, the Bible says. So the the rewards go beyond the millennium. You have an opportunity. You have such an opportunity right now to be placed in close proximity to the King during the Millennium. Access. We talked about it last week. It's about the light and lesser light. It's about access to Jesus Christ. Donald Trump can be my president. Doesn't mean I have access to him. But yet he's he's my president. Okay. I can I can love somebody, and follow them and be part of what they're doing, and not have access. Access is relationship. So I'll say it again. What your relationship status is, the moment you take your last breath, is what it will be the moment you enter eternity. And we all have a clean slate right now. Every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment. We can make choices no matter what our past was, no matter how long it's been, no matter what we've done. We can make choices right now to seek that intimacy with him, to seek that closeness with him, that relationship with him. How do you do it? Faith. See, everybody in here, he's telling you to do something. You may not be listening, but he's telling you to do something. He's telling you to draw close to him. Perhaps get in the word more. Perhaps pray more. Perhaps stop some things. See, he's speaking to every one of you. You want to change that relationship. You want to grow in that relationship You want to invest in the future. You give him your yes. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You give him your yes from this point. Because, see, you can build a relationship with Jesus Christ pretty quickly. Guy on the cross did it. Just a few hours. Because it's based on love. The harder part is maintaining that. The harder part is trusting in building that. But see, you all have that opportunity. So do I. We all have the opportunity right now to throw away the past and say, I trust you today. By the way, that's how we abide in the fruit. If if in the past you have been following him, it's not that you throw that away, I don't mean that. Whatever he's been doing in your life, the fruit that he's been producing in your life, you abide in that fruit. You abide in that place. You say, Lord, you've placed me in this church. You've given me this this portion of ministry. I'm going to abide in that. I'm going to work in that. I'm going to give you my yes in that and just let you do whatever you want to do. See, that's how we grow that relationship. That's how when you step into eternity, that relationship continues from the last point, the last breath you took. So it's all our choice. You know, some of us, you know, may, it may have different education than others, and so, so only certain people can apply for certain positions. That's not how God works. That's why I said this isn't based on your knowledge he'll give you the knowledge you need for the position he gives you, right? You'll be given the mind of Christ. It's the heart. It's the willingness. It's giving him your yes. Just saying whatever you want, Lord. That's all he, That's all he wants. That's all he needs. He needs the faith to just trust him. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Trust him when it's giving something up in this life that you know hurts that relationship, but you want to do so much, or you love so much. That literally is a barrier between you and that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the choice. Those are the choices we step through in this life. But I can tell you, the reward does not just come then. The reward also comes now in the form of The fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness. Those are all things that when we abide in his love and we abide in his fruit and we give him our yes and we obey his commandment of loving each other, that's what comes out of our lives. If we were all super joyful, if we were filled with joy, love, peace, if we were filled with all those things, what would it look like? Be amazing. Be powerful. It'd be extraordinary. That's what he wants. And that's how we abide in his love. And that's how we apply for that eternal position. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for who you are. Lord, you are an amazing, amazing Father. And as we come before you, Lord, I pray that you sink deep into our hearts this word today. You said to abide in you is to love each other and love you. Lord, teach us that love. Produce in us the fruits of the Spirit that show the fruits of that love, that show you are doing that in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you work in everyone's heart here this morning to either begin or continue on that path to relationship with you. We love you so much, we give you our yes, Father. We want to abide in your love. We want to abide in your fruit. So we give us, if we give you our yes, our continual yes as a church. When we stand unified, Father, asking that you do on earth, in this church, in our lives. What you have written in heaven, your will on earth, be done as you've written it in heaven, as your will is done in heaven. Father, we declare it. We declare it to the enemy. We have chosen you. And I want that to ring so loudly in his ears that it pierces his eardrums. We choose you. We want to be used by you to ready your bride to show others what a joy it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and with you. I thank you. I thank you for each person here. I love each person here, Father. And on a side note, Lord, thank you for what you did in Corey this week. Having the open heart surgery, a double bypass, and it went perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Father, for what you did. Thank you for working on his heart physically and spiritually. God, thank you for holding him close, for taking care of him. I pray that that pain decreases as he recovers. I pray that you give Beth just a piece to know that you've got him. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you so much. I thank you for each person here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.